Welcome to the She Finds Joy podcast, where I teach you how to step into the arena of bigness, all the while creating more joy along the way. That's right. We are capable of reclaiming our power, our purpose, our boldness and bravery, and putting our bigness into the world. I'm Kim Strobel, your truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach, who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you really love. After all, when we're playing in our arenas of bigness, life gets better as we get bolder. So buckle up for the no BS, zero fluff advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Welcome to the She Finds Joy show podcast. I'm so happy you hit play today and you're joining us from all over the world. We have people in Australia and England and Ireland and all throughout the United States and Mexico who join us every week. And so I'm super excited. I'm interviewing someone today. Her name is Susie Patet. Now, Susie, did I say that right? Pet it, like pet it. Pet it. Okay. So I'm actually going to do a retake on that. Hold on. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to make sure I, I, so it's pet, say it again, pet it. 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 Like you pet it, go pet it. Oh, pet it. Okay. Pet it. And is it Barolu? Barolo is not a part of my name anymore. So let's leave that out. Oh, good. That makes my job easier. Which causes people such angst because it's like, I don't have a middle name and they're like, ah, but oh, that's super easy. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do a retake. (laughs) Here we go. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the show today. I'm so happy that you've pushed play. It's so exciting for me to see that we have people from all around the world that's they're listening to this podcast. And I want you to know, I see you in Australia. I see you in England. I see you in Ireland, uh, all across the United States, Canada, Mexico. And I'm just super excited when I pull up my little podcast analytics and I see that people all over are joining us for this show. Today, I want to introduce you to Susie Pettit. Susie has been working and helping women live lives they love for over 10 years. She is the host of the podcast, Love Your Life Show, and the owner of the wellness company, Strength, Mind, and Body. She is a certified life and wellness coach. And get this, she's a mama to three teenage boys. Woo, Susie, welcome to the show. I'm actually going to correct that because I have five sons, but that's part of the joy of my story. I have three biological children and then you were, I have five sons and they're now age 16 to 20. Actually, my, my oldest son's birthday is this week, so I think he'll be turning 24, but two of my boys are in Australia. So for your Australian listeners, I have a special affinity. Yeah, I know. Are two of them your stepchildren? Yes. Oh my gosh. So you are surrounded by men. Do you at least have like a female dog or cat? (laughs) I've had, I had, I grew up with three sisters and so I've had enough females in my life and I work with middle school girls at times. So I'm good, but it's, it's, it is, I am definitely surrounded by boys and and men and I I just love it. Are you a good cook? (laughs) No, not at all. But that's my husband is my Australian husband. I am just constantly that is one of the benefits of divorce. The kids are like, okay, we got rid of because my ex is now with a woman who's a great baker. And my ex and I were both sort of functional cooks like we just we got food on the table. (laughs) 
But now my husband is an amazing chef. I mean, he just bakes up amazing things and then, or cooks up, I guess. is this. Yeah, I don't even know the terminology. And yeah, then yeah. <laughs> my ex's girlfriend does all sorts of baking. So the kids, I'm like, yeah, you're good. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always worry because I have a son, Spencer, um, and I have three older stepkids, um, Drew, Sydney, mm. and Claire. And I was like, you know, like the kids are never going to be like, gosh, mom, I'm coming home from college. Do you? do you think you could make this meal? I just missed this meal of yours. I'm like, my kid's are never going to say, say no, that. No, that's not what I'm here for. That's part no. of the whole expectation. That's, that's part of what we can talk about. These I know. What a good mom does. It's like, that's not, that's not. Yeah. Your life, so. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I have other skills that I think are just as worthy as being able to cook a good meal for my son. Yeah. So I love this because you and I are going to talk about um, lots of things. We're going to talk about you know, this idea of boundaries and expectations. And I was, I was telling Susie before we started the show, I was like, you know, one of the things that I get told a lot and I, my mom, I, sometimes I cringe. Cause I'm like, I don't ever want to hurt my mom's feelings, but she's such an important person in my life. And I'm like, if she's listening to this podcast, she's kind of learned like Kim just throws it all out there and knows how perfectly imperfect she is as well. But like my mom, she's been saying this thing to me, Susie, because you were asking me about confidence and you wanted to talk to me a little bit about that on your own show. And how did I get confidence? And I said, my mom just kind of like, she sometimes says to me, you've just really changed Kim. And I sometimes feel like she says it in a way that's like, I just don't really know about this new version of you. And when I ask her what she means by that, she's like, well, you know, you just, you just, you, you, you just say it like it is. And you're not afraid to stand up to someone. And really it's that, I think it's that maybe sometimes she thinks I'm just a little too bold. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think, you know, from her standpoint, um, she was raised in a generation where like, you know, women were really kind of told to not be conflictive and not have strong opinions and stay in their lane and all of that. And then you said, oh my, well, let me talk to you about this, Kim Strobel, because I call these <laughs> manuals, right, Miss Susie? Yes, exactly. Well, I, I do, I want to speak to the point first of like, where's the old Kim? And oh, gee, Kim, you've changed. Because I got that a lot too. Like, where's the old Susie? And and so much of that is rooted in, in this, you know, confidence of like as of us and that and in my I'll speak from my own personal experience when I was growing up I was raised with a family where it was very much like I was not good enough and I needed to to do 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 to receive the love like if I got the A then everything was fine if I you know was quiet and smiling and happy then everything but if I showed an emotion it's like oh Susie turn that frown upside down and let's just and so I learned very early that if I acted in a certain way I got the love and affection that I craved desperately as a young child. And I took that with me into my young adulthood. And so sometimes when then in my middle adulthood, people were like, where's the old Susie? I was like, yeah, that old Susie was not, it was like this shell of a person that was a people pleaser or what I like to call a people deceiver because I was very much like, you know, dancing this little dance. Oh, they like me to be social and, you know, drink the wine at book, um, you know, book club. So, okay, I'll do that versus like, actually, I'm not comfortable with that. I like going to bed at 930 and I don't even like wine, you know, <laughs> but not feeling comfortable in myself 
to say that. And so I would do things in a people pleasing way where I was actually deceiving these people because they think they're seeing the real Susie. So then years later, it's like, where'd that Susie go? I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I broke that shell off and, and it might be bolder and it might, it is braver for sure. Um, <sighs> but it feels, it feels wonderful. That's where we get to this living a life we love or the joy. It is, isn't it? Cause I think like when I look back at it, because I'm not going to lie, like sometimes when, and it's not just my mom, other people will say like, you've really changed. And then I start to think, Oh, is the other version of me better or nicer or like, what, what, what does that mean? And, And do I need to rethink myself here? And then I think, Holy smokes. I love life so much better now than I did 10 and 15 and 20 years ago. Like I, I, I could, I don't think I could go back because like, yeah. you know, it feels really good. Uh, you know, of course we are always going to self-check ourselves, but you know, it, it, you're right. That is the road that the, the realness and the authenticity is the road to freedom, right? It, it feels, and, and I've lived both ways. So I know this feels so much better. And I also know that relationships change and sometimes, you know, they expire. And I know, you know, that there are some of those people in my life who said, Susie, you've changed. And it was easy. You know, when you have that inner voice, that's like, oh, maybe they liked me better that way. They probably did, you know, <laughs> because you're being that like, you know, how they want you to be or how, you know, whatever it's much easier for them when you're not sort of pushing them or, and, and like, all right, well, you know, moving on that, that relationship has expired. What can I learn from it? And let's yes. move forward. And it's, isn't it, don't we sometimes just need to maybe give people permission to let a, a relationship expire? Let's mm-hmm. talk about that a minute, because I think that women in particular hold on to a lot of guilt when it comes to that. And so why is it okay, Susie, for us to say, you know what? this wasn't or isn't, it's not going to be a lifelong friendship. And I can take the gifts that it was at the time, but it's no longer something that lifts me up in my life. Right. Well, and I, I do, it it is, it it comes from a place of confidence and comfort with yourself that you're okay. You know, that, that you showing up as the new you or whatever, you know, the more true you is, is okay. And that that relationship served you. You know, I, I, you said something about your mom that I, I'm not sure if you've said exactly this, but this is what I, I, I heard that, you know, you felt a little bit of discomfort, like calling her out on, her behaviors are saying that she had said that. And, and for me, it's always this like acceptance that people are doing the best they can. You know, your mom, when she's saying that, isn't saying it like, oh, I'm going to try to damage Kim's psyche here, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's our job to reflect with kindness. So it's, it's not like, you know, your mom of today, isn't that mom that said that or, or whatever she's doing it with the best she can. And, and when we can look at it more through that lens of, everyone's out there trying to do the best they can, we can have a little more freedom, like, okay, and now it's time to move on. So that friend that you had from high school that, you know, how many years ago was that? (laughs) Or even if you're in your 20, you know, I don't know how old your listeners are, but it's this, that friend you had from high school, if now you're feeling this guilt of, you know, oh, I need to still call her to go out or, oh, I, you know, she doesn't have any other friends. So I need to call, I need to text, I need to, it's, it's helpful to look at that sort of behavior and, 
and that process. I, I use a thought model and all of my coaching and all of my work and all of my relationships and looking at, you know, we think thoughts, feel feelings, and then take actions that have consequences. So it's a think, feel, act consequence. And when I'm, when I hear from people, they're feeling guilt, you know, then it's like, okay, what are you thinking to feel that guilt? What do you, because you know, the external circumstance of you have a friend from high school is not necessarily causing the guilt. It's your thoughts you're thinking about that. So you're thinking she has no friends. I need to be her friend. So you feel guilt. What is the action you take? Well, then you keep being her friend, even though you're not being authentic. You're feeling, you know, regret when you're there. Maybe you're a little pissy because you're, you know, so your action is you're continuing that friendship. And then the result is, interestingly, she doesn't have any friends because you're feeding that void for her. Whereas what, what, when we get into more adulthood and we're like, okay, I'm actually not helping her. I'm enabling her. Like if you're not there, if you're not answering her texts, if you're not returning her calls, if you're, you know, doing it in a way that feels authentic and kind to you, not just suddenly ghosting the person, but, you know, being honest and saying, yeah, actually I'm not interested in lunch this weekend, or that's not going to work for me. Or, you know, she's like, do you want to X, Y, Z? And you don't, and you just say, no, actually I'm going to spend this day, you know, with my husband or to be a little more authentic. She's going to then feel disappointment possibly. And that's hard, but that's a human emotion to feel. And then what might she do? She might reach out to someone else. She might find a friend that's better suited to her. And that's, you know, that's sort of that, that arc of discomfort that life brings that we, you know, have this moment and then we have to go through that discomfort for the growth. So yeah, and it's, it's really about like, I I love that you're bringing this up because this happens to be something that I'm currently dealing with is, um, so we have, um, some friends and there's, and, and, and they're fairly new friends and we like them because, you know, they have similar interests when it comes to their kids and our kids. And they, we enjoy a lot of the same things and we have fun together, but there's like this other layer that's been coming out, which is like, you do for them, but they can't respond to your text messages when you reach out or they say like, I'm just not good at responding to text messages. And so, you know, after you've texted them four or five times and there's no response, like that doesn't sit well with me, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they just want to say, well, I'm just not good at responding to text messages. And I think, well, you know, it's actually one of my values. Like I feel like a good solid friendship means you don't just get to choose when you need me and I respond, but I can't get you to respond. And so like, I'm having that debate right now, even in my mind, Susie, when you're, when you're talking about this idea of thoughts, feelings, actions, and consequence, it's like, oh, I really like having friends who have a lot of similarities, but like, I'm really struggling with this misalignment, I guess, in values is maybe what I would call it. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts about that? Coach yeah, me on I, that, Susie. I think this is lovely. And you've led us right into manuals and expectations and boundaries. Because again, oh, it's all okay. about our thoughts about this. So your manual for friendship sounds like you have. And so let me back up. When I talk about manuals, I talk about we have different relationships in our lives. So we have the, you know, we have a mother and we have a maybe a son and we have a husband and we have a friend. And then it's like we have these internal manuals that we get either from society or maybe our own background with parents. 
And what I mean by that is like, you think of a manual in terms of putting together a dresser with Ikea, you know, you have an instruction manual. We carry these little manuals for relationships. So to me, what I'm hearing is your manual for friendship includes, you should return texts on time. Like that's a thought that you're thinking. And when you think that thought, you're feeling discomfort when she doesn't return the text. And then your, you know, your action might be to text her back or to feel resentment or, you know. Yeah, pissed like off. Yeah. Beautiful cycle. Yeah. It, it, and, and so that's where the manual perfectly leads into boundaries and, and sort of expectations. Because I find when we don't have, you know, boundaries lead to healthy relationships. And when we don't have boundaries or we haven't like paused and and come up with a boundary we're going to feel we're going to land in that land of bs which i call is like bitter and sour or resentful you know and just be like well why aren't they returning my text and so you know one way to do that is to say you know first of all for you to get clear with how quickly you're returning texts like are you returning in the and you're thinking hey i am going by the manual of friendship girl like I returned your text in the same day you sent it or in the same hour. Or the, and why are you not reciprocating? So it's, she has, it's, it, she has her own reasons about text. And it's that like you getting clear that you're responding in alignment with your values. So to you, you're thinking you want to respond to text in a timely manner. So you respond to the text. Also keeping in mind, throw out the manual. She's going to do her. So, so it's this like friendship and, and, and it gets deeper if it's more of like a mother or a son relationship where it's this unconditional love. Like, can you accept her as a friend, as someone who does not text in a way that you think is okay? If the answer is yes, then great. If the answer is no, then great. Like both ways, it's like it, you get to make sort of a clear drama-free decision instead of thinking, you know, oh my gosh, this woman it, making it about you somehow. Like this woman isn't texting me because she doesn't respect me. And, you know, yeah. maybe this woman is completely disorganized. She doesn't know where her phone is, or she's completely like living her life and she's out riding horses and she's not texting. You know, there are many different thoughts we could think about it, but we usually go to this negative. And so the boundary there, you know, it doesn't necessarily, boundaries you don't necessarily have to say to someone. What I like when I think about boundaries, I think about they are, you know, they are sort of instructions for the people in our lives for how we will be treated. And then they have a consequence. So you don't necessarily, you know, I don't need to walk down the street and tell people like, if you punch me, I will call the police. So I don't need to tell everyone my boundaries. I can have that as a boundary and you can be assured that if someone punches me, I'm going to call the police. So for your friend, you can have sort of a boundary. Like I will not be, you know, I like getting texted 24 hours before making plans. So like maybe your boundary is like, I will not be coming over for dinner if you don't give me 24 hour notice on my text or you are no longer invited <laughs> for, you know, if you text. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Because, you know, it's like when she needs something from me, yeah. then she is right in the text. But then when it's time for me to reach out and be like, Hey, does this work? Or how did that go? Or what was zero, nothing ever five mm -hmm. days later, 10 days later. So wow. like what I guess you're saying is like, do I communicate that frustration with her? I, so I love delivering things sort of with kindness and grace are my two words that I go to. I love and that. Yeah, if it's something like you are inviting them over for dinner on Friday and it's Monday 
I would say, you know, we would love to have you over for dinner on Friday if you can let us know by Tuesday. Like, and, and in your mind, you're thinking, okay, her manual, she needs some deadlines. So if she hasn't told you by Tuesday, then she's no longer invited. And you can, and in your mind, you're just like, she's not coming. Like, that's just, and if she texts on Thursday, it's like, oh, sorry, I asked for Tuesday. That's not going to work. That's you upholding your boundary. You yes. don't have to say it with like, you, she devil, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you okay. just that like, oh, okay, no, sorry. Like this, th- that doesn't work for me. You know, I needed some advance warning. I'm not just going to throw everything together today because if she texted Thursday that she's coming Friday and then what sometimes happens in these like giving and receive, you know, so it sounds like you're giving, 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 and she's, she's certainly happy with the taking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but once you are asking her to give, she's like, you know, vacant and gone. Um, so when you're doing that, you know, give, if you then on Thursday, you're like running out to the store and you're like preparing the menu and you're definitely going to be bitter and resentful. And in that lane, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so is, you know, I, I, the, the question as to whether you say something to her ahead of time, it could, you know, it's almost like you can set the boundary and if she upholds the boundary, then great. You know, if she doesn't, then it is that like, oh, sorry, I asked for you to tell me by Tuesday and you didn't tell me. I need more advanced planning than this. The the drama-free piece there that I love is that you're not making it about her not being a good friend and you're also not judging her for her values. Like you're saying you have a value about returning communication on time. That's a value you have. Sounds like that's not a value for her. <laughs> like, you know, she does not, and, and and she just, maybe her value is to live life in the moment. And, you know, and, and it's, it's knowing that about her. Do you want to continue the friendship? And so if she's going to live in the, like, or if you do, how can you make that work for you? It's that sort of coming together. And, and usually what I find is there's a couple, you know, sometimes just one, but maybe two times of that scenario that we're talking about, like Monday inviting for Friday and her responding Thursday and you saying, oh, sorry, didn't work. You know, like that's your boundary. Like, I'd like to invite you and you let me know by Tuesday. She lets you know Thursday. It's like, oh, okay, well, didn't guess, you know, since I asked to know by Thursday, looks like it won't work this weekend. Try again next time or what, you know, and then the second time, she might do it again, but usually they just start, they're like, oh, okay, Kim's the one I need to know back. Like, it, it's like she has, she's redefined her manual too. Yes. If we just keep giving, 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 then we're treating them that it's okay. to Well, and that's, that. you know, I guess that's kind of the situation. I, I totally get it if it's like a specific answer that you're needing about a dinner mm-hmm. date, but what if it's just more global, like, Hey, I'm always giving to you and I don't get to receive that same courtesy back when I want to make a connection with you or I want to reach out about something and you don't respond. Then help me, Susie, because I think I need, I can just tell this is my work, right? Like, how would you communicate that? Yeah, well, this is, um, you know, I guess I would ask you, what do you get from this friendship and looking at. Um, I call them want matches. So you have a want or a desire for a connection in some way. Maybe you, you know, maybe you're struggling with something and you're like wanting her to talk to about this struggle. And yet when you reach out to her, like, Hey, I'm having a problem with my son or I'm having a problem with my dog and it's silent 
silent, silent. And then when she's like, Hey, I'm having a problem with my son. You're like, yep. You know? So it's helpful for you to know she's not that person for you. And so then with that knowledge, like she is not that person for you, whether it is, you know, it might be disappointing for you and it might be sad for you to hear, you know, like, oh, I mean, this is where we get into trouble in humanity where we're like, oh, it would be nice if they were it's like, yeah, but they're not. So right. let them be them and then find another person for that. Maybe she's a want match for, you know, going and having fun barbecue with the friends. And as long as she's the one hosting and organizing the party, she's all in. But when it's time to reciprocate and let us hold the party or let us organize the gathering, then there's like very little commitment. She won't commit. But if it's her having it, then she's all over it. I'm super nervous because I don't think she listens to the podcast, but I was trying to be super vague, but let's just go there, Susie. (laughs) Well, this will be a good, like you're being very kind and open and loving towards her. And that's the thing. Yeah. I really enjoy these other pieces. It's really nice to have another couple that has like a similar interest that we have with our son and, and, you know, wants to have some same experiences, but then I get just really frustrated and I feel like I'm kind of being used when it, and so then I think like, Ooh, that doesn't really feel good. So why am I choosing this? Yeah. And I think that that doesn't feel good is the, is sort of the warning light for you. Like, Ooh, something's going on here. And I like, um, getting curious over furious is something I like to say. And instead of getting like furious with her, like, Oh my God, here she is to get curious. Like, that's so interesting. Why wouldn't she get back? Like, what is it about, coming to my house that she is not able to commit to or not like, and then when you're curious, we have more of that open mindset. And that like, when we're furious, we make it about, oh my God, well, she's not coming over because she thinks that I don't do turkey, right? Or, you know, whatever we're making up in our head, we're making it very personal. When we get curious, it's that like, oh, maybe she really is a control freak and doesn't like things out of, you know, or maybe she has dietary restrictions and doesn't feel comfortable to say something to me. Or maybe her husband really is like a closet ASS and it doesn't like, you know, it, it like, but then our brain, it's not taking it as personal. It's this like more, oh, that does feel better. But how do you, how do you find those answers? Well, and so part of it is then you feel ease. Like when you're thinking thoughts more, you feel a little more ease. And so you're not on his edge. And then you can get a little more clear. Like, well, what do I want from this friendship? How big a deal is it if they're not coming over? Are are you looking for them to come over because it's fun for you to host? Yeah. Yeah. So then maybe you need another family to host. It's that like, maybe they're not, you know, maybe they are the ones that you just sort of have the manual. Like if we want to go somewhere and have a fun time, that's where we go. And they're comfortable with that. But you thinking, oh, I need to reciprocate. Well, they don't think that like, they're like, oh, please. No, you know, like we, I know and you're, you're right. Like yeah. you start to take everything personally and mm-hmm. like you start to make these. So this is so good. Cause I can see that this, like anybody who's listening can be like, you know, shit, I make up the stories in my head with oh, stories in our head. Yeah. I my podcast episode this week, I don't know when you're airing this, but it was December 2nd or whatever. My podcast episode this week is called It's Not About You. <laughs> oh, wow. I will be listening to that on my run tomorrow. Because well, we always make it about us. We make it about us. And our brain goes to the worst case scenario and very personalized. So it's like, this is about Kim. She doesn't like how Kim does versus what I like to do is get into that more open mindset 
And I call it alternative explanation. I, I wish I had a better, like a easier term to remember that. But I asked my brain, like, what is an alternative explanation for why she might be saying no? That, again, that's just sort of like getting into the curious. Like, maybe she maybe she can't see, so she can't even see my text. But I, we know that's yeah. not true. But, it, but it's just when we're in that sort of like brain state where we're so irritated and taking it personally, it's, it's hard to lift out and see things a little calmer. Like we're just sort of in it that. Is. I think I have like a, like this would be considered um, like an anthill. What I just described, yeah. I have a mountain that I might need to do a private session with you on <laughs> regarding a different uh, manual that, that is playing out in my life and causing me um, bitterness. Like you said, <laughs> sour, yes. sour and bitterness. I'm interrupting this podcast to talk to you real quickly about why we need to consider placing happiness at the forefront of our businesses, our schools, and our organizations. We know that a positive brain is 31% more productive than a brain at negative, neutral, or stressed. We also know that when your employees' well-being is at the forefront, they achieve 56% greater sales. They're three times more creative, 40 times more likely to receive a promotion, 23% reported fewer fatigue symptoms, and they're six times more engaged in their work and in their life. It is for this very reason that I love traveling across the country and giving motivational keynotes on the happiness formula how we can become more successful in both our professional lives and in our personal lives. When we bring happiness to the forefront, we change every single business, education, and organizational outcome. If you're interested in booking a keynote, you can go to stroboleducation.com forward slash speaking. No, I, I'm a pretty honest person. And, you know, I have this like really contagious enthusiasm for life. I, I feel like I live life with um, a lot of positive feelings, but I also know I'm someone Susie who holds on to like bitterness and resentment and makes mm -hmm. everything personal. And like, I know what my own work is at this time of my life. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's that judgment piece, you know, so yeah. And I think that like, I like the way that you navigate this, like you said, with some grace. And like, even when you said to me, maybe, maybe she's just a control freak. Like even you saying that I, I could feel my shoulders just kind of like, I just created a little bit of space. Like, Hey, yeah, well, maybe it's not that, you know, she just wants to like take from me all the time and not come to our house and not like maybe she's just a control freak. And, yeah. you know, maybe that's me what feel we're looking key. for, isn't it? It's that space. It is yeah. just a little bit of space so that our brain can calm down and we can see things. It's like we shift just, you know, 20 degrees to another side to be like, oh, let me look at it this way. And, and that really is, is what it's all about. It is, um, again, like I did a podcast on judgment and it is, you know, looking at like when we're judging, when we're pointing out how many fingers are pointing back towards us yeah. and we're, this is a very hard thing for me to understand and often for other people to hear, but if it triggers you, it's about you, you know, <laughs> I know. yeah, it's, and it's, it's 
hard to sort of see that. And so when we can get into the curious, like when we're judging, we're usually more in that furious, but when we can get curious and be like, what is it about that? So I'll give you an example. Back when I was married to my first husband, we, my relationship was full of, I didn't realize it at the time, but sort of emotional abuse and manipulation. And it was a very unhappy marriage to be in. And we used to go to parks with, you know, my kids when they were young at that point. And part of the whole thing was I had to be this like selfless mom. And so, you know, racing around the park after my kids. And we used to go to this park on Saturdays and we would see this other couple there and they would have their little coffees from the store and be reading the papers and their kids would be running around the park. And I was such a little judger, Kim. I was like, look at them over there. They aren't watching their kids. They like, what kind of parents are they? And it (laughs) took me a little while to be like, Oh my God, girl, you want exact, like you are dying to be sitting there with the coffee and the paper. Like you don't want to be manically chasing your child around, knowing that your husband's going to yell at you if you, you know, weren't right next to him on the slide when he was the son, not the husband. Yeah. yeah. Like this. And it is, it's so helpful for me to see like, oh, right. Okay. That's, and, and, you know, speaking of women, this is where we get into trouble and sort of cutting other people down. We're like, oh, look at her in those yoga pants and her tight shirt. It's like, yeah, look at her. She's freaking awesome. Or I've heard before you with your, you know, being asked to have a longer skirt when you were teaching. And it's, yeah. like, why can't we be like, go her, check her out and what she's showing us for the possibilities for the female body. And, but we get into the, because we have sort of insecurities. We get into this like, internal and it's really I'm you know I'm doing this I don't think listeners can see but like this constricting feeling versus this you know just calming and looking looking for that looking for that space and and I guess another thing I want to mention here is is this when we're talking about friends and relationships and and you know manuals and what we're expecting people do and what we're you know what people are actually doing um, it is so helpful to not take it personally. And this is where I, I, I think of bananas <laughs> because oh, I, okay, I let's go, Susie. Bear with me. I cannot stand bananas. I cannot stand bananas. And so of my five sons, one of them is a type eight Enneagram. He is the Mr. Arguer. Like he's going to, and he is always like, mom, bananas are really good for this. And that like, he is just arguing the, and I'm like, you can have your banana. I don't need the banana. I am fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the banana. I'm just saying, I don't want the banana in my life. I want an apple or I want watermelon. Or And so if we can start to have that sort of, the banana's fine, that sort of attitude towards our friends. Like your friend is fine. She's a freaking banana. That's fine. She's going to be, she's not going to come over. You take her for who she is. You can choose to have her in your life. It doesn't mean anything about the banana. Or take that a step more to yourself. So you are getting, you know, sort of that cold shoulder from a friend or, and it's that like, not taking it personally that there's something wrong with you. It's that like, I'm a gosh darn banana. I'm awesome. Or I wouldn't say that about a banana, but I like saying that about, you know, peaches or like, I'm a freaking, you can be the juiciest, ripest, most amazing strawberry. And if someone doesn't like strawberries, they're not going to like you. Does that say yes. anything about you? Nothing about you. So it's like, like that bold, amazing, awesome Kim. Not everyone's going to like you. That's about them. Like set them free. More yes. strawberries for you. 
and your family and people who love freaking strawberries. Like, I love that. I love when you, you say anything you judge is a, re- is a reflection of your own insecurity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so for my listeners, because I am Sorry. a judgy person, Susie, I, you're, Sorry, honey. <laughs> I, I am. And I know this about myself. I, I, I have Gabrielle Bernstein's judgment detox, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's again, it's, it's like, I, I have these own kind of blocks that I'm working on beating down a little bit and, and removing, but it's like, I even know what you say that any, anything, anytime you're judging another person, right? Like, okay. I'll give you a, a, an example. And maybe I, I like when, when I actually have you apply this to me, cause I think it makes my listeners be able yeah. to understand it. Like that part couple, that poor part couple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of, yeah. so one of the things really I, know, I feel so bad um, that I really can't stand. And this is going to sound terrible. And to the people who are listening, they're going to be like, but please give me some grace here because I'm just stating a vulnerability that I have. Okay. People who are like super quiet and like really bashful and like afraid to like speak or use their voice or, you know, they just are, they're, they're mild and meek and submissive. And and look at me, Susie, you can even see like my face is like getting these mean little looks on it. Right. I those people really get on my nerves, Susie. Like I just, in, in here's, and and this is going to sound bad, but my, my listeners know I'm real. I associate them with being weak and weak people drive me crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. They drive me crazy. I'm just like, would you just speak up? Would you just put your first, first foot forward? Would you quit being a coward all the time? Like, And here's what I know about that. And I want you to tell me if you think I'm right. So after doing this work on myself, when I suffer with panic disorder and I struggle to do Mm. the easiest of things like, you know, drive five minutes to the health club or go to Walmart or, uh, you know, pick up my niece and drive her an hour and a half. Like I, you know, when I'm suffering with panic disorder, I am not comfortable doing any of that. And I feel weak and disgraceful and my confidence levels just drop. And I think like, you are so weak and wimpy, Kim, like you can't even do the simplest of things that normal adults can do. And I have over the years despised that weak part of myself. So are you saying like, is that the reason I get triggered by it, Susie? I I mean, I was going to ask you kindly, like, is there a spot in your past where maybe you've been weak or you haven't used your voice or you've been bashful, or maybe you've worn longer skirts instead of saying, oh no, I'm wearing my skirts. I'm with the, you know, that sort of thing. All that shit. (laughs) All that shit. And that's when we see these other people and it reminds us, I mean, I think there are two pieces there. It reminds us of who we were or who we are still sort of in our not so strong moments. And that is a, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, what can I learn from my judgment? Well, that's a great area to work on that inner talk. Like why the heck is that woman beating herself up in her head for, you know? And so that's sort of that, like, okay, let's look there. Are you weak or are you being kind? You know, it's this, you know, relaxing into the state that you are and that I know that you have done some work on there. So that would be exactly that piece there. And then also because judgment doesn't 
feel good. Like when you are judgy, I mean, watch your, it's like we get our faces all (laughs) and it feels like if you feel your chest, when you're judgy, you're just, you feel like you just ate dirt and it's just like, it doesn't feel good. And so that is again, when we can get into that more open or curious or empathetic mindset and be like, I wonder why I love asking myself, I wonder why she's not speaking up or I wonder why she's, she's being so, you know, bashful and, and see it more like just sort of sad, like, oh, that poor woman, I know what that feels like, or, or maybe we don't, but it's this, I know for myself, when I hear of people not, I did a lot of, I'm sorry, I keep like half finishing my sentences, but I did a lot of work with my biological family and standing up to my parents and setting boundaries. And I now do not, I do not have a relationship with them. I I do not speak with them. I have, I feel wonderfully at peace with them and send them love and really am so grateful for the parents they were to make me and the woman I am. However, I do not have any sort of interaction with them. And when I hear of other people continuing in emotionally or verbally abusive relationships just because of the manuals they have about what a good daughter should do. I still am like, I get triggered and I get that like, come on, because I know my mind. So me feeling triggered is a feeling again. And my feeling comes from my thought. And I know the thought I'm thinking, one of the thoughts is like, come on, you speaking up would make this, would have made this easier for me. Like if more people sort of spoke up and stood in their truth and that would make it easier for me and and the other Susies who are out there, you know, managing their relationships and the other, you know, whatever sort of. So there is a piece of that, that when people are not speaking up, if it does trigger something for us in our past, like you being, you know, thinking that you're weak or thinking, yes, like, come on, let's all rise together, people. Like I'm, but we cannot drag these other people along their spiritual journey. And I know yes. Gabrielle Bernstein speaks of that. Like we're all on our own friggin' journey. I didn't get to mine until the late thirties. It's possible. I ran across someone at 26 who was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, speak up to that man that you don't even love. Why are you marrying him? Or, you know, like, but I was not able to hear it at that point. That was not part of my spiritual journey. And it's that like everyone's sort of on their path. And when we can get more compassionate and back to the message where we sort of started with, with your mother, that like everyone's doing the best they can. Yeah. Yeah. Like she has a social script. Basically, sometimes I think my boldness makes her nervous. Oh, for sure. Because her rules are like, oh no, you do not rock the boat. And it's, you know, it's like a protective mechanism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so she's thinking she's protecting you, but you're also triggering her because it's that like, oh wow, you are sort of this, this mirror for her, for what she won't do. Like not speaking up to whomever, the mailman who's always leaving the mail on the stoop instead of putting it through the (laughs) slot. Yeah. I didn't say anything because I'd upset him. It's like, Oh my gosh, if he gets upset, that's because of his thoughts. Maybe he's upset because he's like, someone found out I'm not doing my job. Well, (laughs) I I don't think I said this during the podcast, but I was telling Susie beforehand and tell me if I did, did I talk about my mom and her haircuts during the podcast? Okay. So I was telling Susie that my mom, and I told my mom recently that this is a, that she's a chapter in the book that I'm writing (laughs) (laughs) about her haircut because she has gone to the same woman 
for 15 years. And my mom wants her hair stacked in the back. She just wants a nice little stacked back part of her hair. And for 15 years, for whatever reason, this woman can't do it. And so I keep like telling my mom, like, why won't you go to someone else? Like, if you really want your hair to be stacked in the back, why won't you? And she's like, oh, I could never do that. Like I would never want to hurt such and such as feelings. And I'm like, so my mom's been willing to endure 15 years of bad haircuts because her manual, right? Susie, her manual says you, what, what does her manual say, Susie? What do you think it says? Well, that you don't speak up. You don't rock the boat. I mean, and she, and a good hair person wouldn't like a good hair client wouldn't say that to the hairdresser. This gets back to that sort of enabling piece because your mom, what's interesting here is she's selling that hairdresser short. Like she must have a belief that the hairdresser can't do her hair the way she wants her to do. Like, because if she thought, oh, the hairdresser could do the, my hair the way I want it, she might be more open to asking this woman. And, and it's, it's, this is what we do in our relationships. Like we're not asking for different treatment and then we're getting pissy because of what we're tolerating. But if we're tolerating it, then, you know, people treat us th- like this hairdresser is probably your mom is probably like great haircut. Sally. Oh, sure. she's like, hey. So why would Sally have the thought like, oh, she must be lying to me. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. The people pleaser and people deceiver. Like your mom. Is being a I'm just, I'm giggling because like last oh, uh, yesterday was a Tuesday because we're recording on a Wednesday and I. I am not like a big drinker, but I had had a really bad day and my husband and I went to eat and we ordered, I ordered a Moscow meal and he ordered a beer and his beer tasted like vinegar. He said, and he kept drinking it. And I was like, so it's the same thing. I was like, Scott, just tell him. He's like, no, I'm not going to tell him. It's okay. Well, I couldn't stand it. I was like, Emma, the waitress. I was like, just so you know, even though Scott drank three fourths of this beer, he said it tasted because like they needed to know that, you know? And so that's part of it. This is part of where I'm like, if all of us can just sort of stand in our, not sort of, but if we stand in our truth a little more, like, why are we tolerating bad haircuts and vinegary beer? So the bad haircut, if your mom says something, she's allowing this woman to up her craft. Maybe the woman's like, oh my gosh, I never knew you wanted stacked hair in the back. Or I thought this is what you wanted. And so maybe the woman watches a YouTube video or goes to some hair training or (laughs) Maybe the woman is like, yeah, and maybe she bursts out crying, but that's where we look at alternative explanations. She's probably not going to, she might be like, oh, oh, and it's not that this is where we deliver things with kindness and grace too. It's not like your mom is like, this sucks. I've had 15 years of, (laughs) it's more like, oh, do you think that you could make it look more like this? And she brings in a picture and, you know, show something or your husband, how funny it's that like, oh my goodness ask for what you like you matter your experience matters what if him saying something gets them to retap the keg and it saves you know 30 other people from having it's it's this like we're allowed it's not saying emma you are such a filthy waitress i can't believe you brought me a vinegar it's like hey thought you should know this beer has vinegar in it you know and yeah this is i'm just giggling because it's like this is this all the time it is. It's this complete crazy ash stuff that we do. And for my listeners, I know right now that you can identify, you can <laughs> identify something like this, that you're 
you're not being honest about in life and you're deceiving other people because yeah. you, you won't stand up for yourself and say that you matter. And so I've actually, I I've just made some notes here, Susie. I think that I'm going to have to do an extensive research for one of the chapters in my book. That's going to need to be called like this topic right here, you know, boundaries, manuals, and kindness and grace. I mean, boundaries, manuals, and expectations. I think they all sort of go because it's our expectations for what we think other people should do. Like whenever we're saying should, like my mother should, or the hairdresser yes. should, or the bartender should somehow know that this beer is vinegary, you know, or the waiter should know I want ketchup. And so I'm not going to, it's all that nonsense is very helpful. Like that's a great chapter. And then I guess just for the listeners, if, if they hear themselves saying that they are, are, you know, making an excuse in their head that they're not doing something because it'll hurt someone else's feelings. That is a great, like, you know, as a coach, I'm like red flag. Okay. (laughs) Hold on. That's not how we work. Like we have thoughts that create our feelings. Circumstances don't create our feelings thoughts create our feelings. And this is something that we are not taught in school. In fact, we're taught that circumstances create our feelings. So we are, you know, I take Johnny's crayon and my teacher will, and Johnny starts crying. My teacher will say, Susie, you made Johnny cry because you took his crayon. Okay. No, me taking the crayon might have influenced that, but Johnny's crying because of his thoughts about the, maybe he's thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. I can't finish my drawing. And he's crying. Okay. Well then I did influence that. Maybe he's thinking, Oh, thank God. I'm crying with joy. Now I get to go out to recess and he's crying tears. Like he could be, his feelings are based on the thoughts that he's thinking, not on my actions. We influence people, but we get into a lot of trouble when we think those external circumstances are going to create our feelings. And then we get into even more trouble when we think that we somehow can control other people's feelings. Like I, and, and we, We do, other people are very open to letting us do this. So this like, you know, I control my mom's happiness that me calling her every Sunday makes her happy. Well, it is her thought. Maybe she's thinking I have a really good daughter or I've been a good mom. My daughter loves me. So she's thinking a thought that makes her feel loved. She also could think the thought, oh my God, I've like totally over manipulated my daughter and she feels a lot of stress and, you know, whatever, but it is, it is often the other person is very happy to hand over their emotional management to someone else other than them. Like, yeah, you're the reason why I got upset or you're the reason. And it's like, no, no, no. We can all do it ourselves and everyone around us a lot of good when we sort of stand in that emotional power of my thoughts create my feelings. Yeah, that is so powerful. Oh my gosh. We could have gone in a there are, were so many times during this conversation, we could have even gone further um, because so much of what you said is just so dang relevant, I think, to us as, as human beings, you know, <laughs> walking this trajectory of life and trying to navigate it from a place of, you know, deep humanity, but also uh, from a place of being able to stand in our truth, because I believe you are so right that that bitterness and that sourness comes from us not being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's the pathway to joy. Like your podcast says like this finding joy it when is. we are not giving other people control over our emotions. And when then we're standing and being truthful with ourselves, that is that foundation of living a life we love and finding the joy 
and oh, not, goodness. you know, suffering with a bad haircut every friggin' time you look in the mirror. <laughs> exactly. Poor Mary Jo. Mama, if you're listening, you need to know we love you yeah. and your bad haircut, but we yeah. understand why you haven't spoken up. That is very much you understand. Yeah. very common. And at the same time, we can move forward. And I guess that is, that is sort of the action step for listeners is to just look where they can take small steps, you know? So when yeah. we're talking about your neighbor to just add the small step of saying, please get back to me by Tuesday, or, you know, right. getting a little more specific, speaking up, not thinking they can read our minds and thinking of where we're judging and what we might learn from that about ourselves. Like getting away from always pointing the finger out and turning back towards ourselves. I love one of the things Oprah says over and over again is that we are here on life to learn about ourselves. And that if we can look at our experiences, not with this judgment and irritation and resentment, but more with the question of like, what can I learn from this? What does this teach me? That's where we feel much calmer and find that joy. I love that. I love that. Well, I want to end this episode by asking you, Susie, what is one thing that you're currently doing in your life to find more joy? Ah, I this is, I'm like all my days. Well, you know what? One of the things that I'm really centering on right now is meditating for at least three minutes a day because I, I have a very active brain and I started back in 2016 that was a gift I gave myself for my birthday to meditate every day. And I said one minute and I got so that I was doing, you know, a minute a day for that year, no matter what, and then 20 minutes a day. Um, but recently I have looked for the excuse not to, and I know it is one of the ways that I can remain calm and centered and able to see experiences without as much reactivity. Like it literally changes my brain and allows me to not be as jumpy and not be as reactive and be a much better mother and wife. And I love all. that. Yeah. 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 That's an important piece. I believe. Continually working. Yeah. Thank you so much Thank for you. all of this. My gosh, you are just a wealth of knowledge and I can imagine what a, a gift it is that you give to others th- through your ability to really navigate some of these hard things things that we have to deal with, but to come out on the other side with a little more uh, self-compassion towards ourselves and others. Susie, where can people connect with you? Well, I would love it if people could check out my podcast because there were so many times here in this this episode where we were talking about, you know, comparison, I have a podcast on comparison and talking about, um, I, I have, I have a podcast on manuals. I have a podcast on boundaries. I have a podcast on expectations. So just that's it. www.smbwell.com slash iTunes, or I guess subscribe. You're going to find whatever platform they listen to. Yeah. And, and then I send out a weekly newsletter where I have all my free goodies and they can, that, so that's at smbwell.com slash newsletter. Okay. Uh, I will drop both of those links in the show notes so that people can look them up and rest assured when Kim Strobel takes her 10 mile run tomorrow morning, she will be listening to your show, your podcast. So yeah. And I would love to hear from your listeners. Like if some, if they had a big takeaway to, I don't know, comment on your Instagram page or my Instagram, you know, to, yeah, that's what we love. We love feedback. We love when they jump in and say, cause like, sometimes I'm like, is anybody listening to this? And then my, 
my IT person will be like, Kim, you know, 1600 people downloaded this episode. And I'm like, well, where are you people? I need you people over hopping in the She Finds Joy Facebook right. group to tell me or matter leaving me a review. Like, I want to know my message matters. <laughs> yeah. So giving Kim that review today and just saying, wow, love that episode with Susie. That would be wonderful yeah. on, on your Instagram. Just somehow, because that feedback does matter. It, it does. It does. And we'll drop all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Susie, for being here. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. We did it. Thank you so much for listening in on the She Finds Joy podcast today. I'm honored to share this space with you, and I hope you keep showing up as the real you in this world. As always, this conversation will be continued in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash she finds joy to connect with other joy seekers just like you.